Remember me, O Lord, in your favor toward your people. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church of North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 313. It's November 1, tomorrow it is, 2015. Yes, we're doing this on a Saturday night, but this is the uh, Sunday broadcast about North Korea. Well, today, another series of readings from my two intense years with the North Korea situation. I wasn't there all that time. I was in South Korea toward the end of that, but uh, two very, very intense years. If you begin to love North Korea, it will it will grab your heart. It will take up your time, and uh, you'll be glad you did it, though. You'll be glad you were a part of it in some way. And I hope the Lord will call you to do that. Um, Let's talk about Bible balloons. Now, the, the method has changed today, and they've done different things in different years. But at that time, I wrote, it's been going on for many years, bright orange balloons bearing scriptures in the Korean language float over the northern border of South Korea into the southern section of North Korea. And no DMZ mine field can stop them. North Korea's one-million-man army never shoots them down. Angry-faced soldiers can't stare them away. They glide for miles at a time, filled with helium and punctuated by an ever-so-small opening that punctured, I should have said, that guides them almost scientifically to designated portions of the Hermit Kingdom. Delighted children find them in a field and run them home to their aging grandmas and grandpas who who weep over them if they're of the remnant church still surviving in horror land. Or they puzzle over them if they're of the great majority who have been brainwashed and totally uninformed about the outside world. Hundreds of thousands of these plastic missionaries have been sent out by dedicated South Koreans, helped with Americans and their missionary cohorts. No one knows the full effect of their flights. But reports confirm that at least some have found their mark. Lives have been touched forever by these balloons. The government simply cannot keep the word of God out of North Korea. It's not bound. A little comes in on airwaves, a little on tapes, a few Bibles get where they were intended to go. Oh, the precious, life-giving word of God Let's pray for the success of this foolish balloon ministry, which is confounding the wise regime of death in Pyongyang. Um, And I've I've got an update on June 18th of 08. This project has recently been replaced by the sending of heavier balloons, actually filled not just with helium, but with tracks. Now, I was, when we were there, we spent several hours the day before in a, in a little room, that the whole team of us, wadding up little pieces of paper. Yeah, little, but that had scriptures all over them, just wadding them up. Um, I, I never figured out why we were doing what we were doing. I was just doing what I was told. And we put them, they put them in the balloons later and other things. And then the next day we went out on the boat 
and shot those things right over into Kim Jong-il's playground. Next article, Pitfalls of NK Ministry. I'm told that when one enters the struggle for the lives of this isolated nation, he or she may be up against more than he's bargained for. It was true for me. North Korea is a satanic stronghold on earth, the likes of which does not come around just every day. The fate of this nation will determine the fate of many nations. The enemy is strategically and therefore firmly entrenched there, or so he thinks. One nod from the Father and a host of angels will be released to defeat him and change the course of history. For this, we enter into spiritual warfare, never forgetting to address the day-to-day suffering of the people in any way we can materially. Many questions begin to form as the battle is waged, as to the nature of the struggle when uh, one gets into prayer and beyond prayer. Perhaps many will not get beyond prayer since the spiritual battle is the only one that really counts ultimately. For those who feel called to give material aid, assist in escapes and so on. What happens if a person that you are helping tries to escape and is killed or imprisoned for life? What happens if a person you're assisting does come out, but his family is left behind and they're rounded up and imprisoned or executed? Happens. Oh, it happens. What's going to happen if you're asked to pay off a lot of criminal mafia types and to bribe guards to get your person out? Where does your ethical standard come down on that? Some Christians can't do that, and that's okay if that, that's what their conscience tells them. Some have no problem with it, and, and I'm not saying anything either way. But what happens if they do succeed in getting to South Korea or even America, and they become so engrossed in worldliness, these Christians, that they lose the precious faith, faith that once saw them through every difficulty? That happens, doesn't it? We think the enemy's over there. The enemy's here. And in some cases, maybe most cases, the enemy here is much more difficult to deal with. What happens if you yourself get caught up in, a, in emaciated bodies and, and forget that the higher calling is ministering to their emaciated souls? Maybe the guy next door has a spiritual need Uh, that you can meet right now. I'm not saying don't bless North Korea. I'm I'm saying be sure that God is calling you. Be sure other things are in balance and in order in your life. What happens if uh, you get so involved in people over there that you forget the hurting people around you? I just said that. And all of the above things have happened multiple times. Then, Then must come the question, of course, is the hurting around me to be compared with the hurting of North Koreans. Will your wife or children be pleased with your answer to that question? What about the cross? What's it mean? You're going to eventually ask that question, aren't you? Where does the cross come down in all of this? Is it true what Dobson and others say? Family first? Is that what Jesus taught? I'm not saying either way. But certainly we need to search these things out. Am I a soldier of the cross? 
Or are those only soldiers who must pay for their warfare in starvation and torture and death? These are hard questions. These are hard questions for a person who I, like you, I hope, who will fall in love with the North Koreans. Do I love her because Christ loves her? Or because I feel good loving her? Is that why we love? Because we feel good doing it? Is my love a romantic, therefore, a romantic love? Unreal, unconnected? Or do I have scars to show for that love? Show me your scars, Jesus will say to us. He can show us his. Well, thankfully for my uh, listeners, I, I stopped being an expert about most anything long ago. The questions I have asked have no answer from me to you. There are things you're going to have to tackle yourself, but I know you're going to have to tackle them. And, and God will give you grace, but be sure your motives are as they ought to be. This is no easy task. Taking away from the enemy that which he thinks is his. These prisoners in North Korea. Next question. Next article. Is it God's open door? More questions. To those who would touch a needy nation. North Korea, for example. An available position does not always mean an open door. Men can open doors too and shut them. The doors that God opens cannot be opened by men or shut. Guys that are blessed with looks, charm, and all the rest, who have they're going to have any number of open doors into a woman's heart, right? Now these are issues with which I've never had to deal, but I can well imagine a lineup of females for these kind of guys, each one telling his heart, ah, she's the one. Well, at least in my dreams, I can imagine such things. A multi-talented person seeking employment is also going to face that same dilemma. Like he's got a hundred open doors. But consider Paul. 1 Corinthians 16.9 An open door has been set before me, and there are many adversaries. Now that's true vision. Paul was not Excited, as we, we love that word, don't we? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going on a mission trip. Oh, I don't know if Paul got excited about going to his open door. He was determined. And he didn't see all happy scenes. His ministry was a series of incredible victories, but always coupled with incredible suffering. Those who go through open doors because they're excited about helping Jesus need to go somewhere and count the cost. Wow. Cool off. Cool off may not be what you think. If the cross isn't a part of the call, it's probably a human door and not a divine one. Also, doors in the scripture are entryways to the furtherance of the gospel, not personal furtherance. When the vision, quote, sees a human elevated and Christ kind of negotiable, it's not God's vision. But when one sees a road of hardship with Christ being lifted up, good things can follow from a time like that. 
There are, I have found, many doors open to North Korea. I leaped for joy to know I can be of use in this dry and thirsty land. It'd be, be the same for anyone reading or listening who wants to go. There is something to do, but which door is yours? I counsel myself and I counsel anyone who cares to listen. Walk carefully in the spirit before the momentous decision is made. Listen carefully to what God is saying and to what various men are saying too. If the call doesn't fit and you find yourself volunteering to do someone else's work just so you could be used, quote-unquote used, much damage could come your way and to the ministry. The Lord of the harvest knows just where we belong. Some of us may well be asked to stay right here and pay the bills of those who go. That's okay. If Christ is glorified, so be it. Bottom line, Lord, save your people. Lord, deliver the prisoners. Lord, whatever it takes, whomever it takes, however you want it done, just do it. Help me to stay out of the way. Show me where I belong in this whole thing. Keep doing that. Yeah, get counsel from people too. Keep doing that before the Lord, before you make decisions that could damage you the rest of your life too. One more article. We'll run over just a little bit today. 1945, George Orwell. Remember that one? 1945, he wrote a book uh, later on about 1984. George Orwell, Days of Stalin. He was not a believer in Christ. Well, we know Stalin was. I'm talking about Orwell. He, in fact, thought that Marx and Engels really had something good going. His issue was not with communism, but with the way this new communist theory was being acted out by Lenin, Stalin, and the rest. It was obviously not working according to the original script. Some would argue that the original script came from Christ himself. Equality, peace, brotherhood, you share with me, I share with you, but not at the point of a gun, Marx. Uh, Stalin, that was added later. Anyway, Orwell was a, an honest man who wanted to say something about the Stalinist regime of his day. He said it most effectively in his satirical novel called Animal Farm. There's a film version, 1999, which I happened to one evening back quite a few years ago. My wife and I sat in amazement as scene after scene reminded us not of Stalin, but of the original and present dynastic regimes of North Korea. And actually, this cycle is repeated in many places on the planet. You've got the original corruption needing addressing, the desire to end that corruption and bring justice in its place, the bringing down of the corrupt society, the hero worship, shifting emphasis from the genuine needs of the people to the growing neurotic needs of the leader, the slow replacement of the old corruption with a new and worse corruption. It's all there. It's all there in North Korea as we speak. And Christians, myself for one, pray, Lord, 
Stop this man. Bring him down. Praying believer, does your mind travel beyond his fall? And all leaders eventually do fall. To what shall be on the other side of a regime change? We know Jesus shall be king over all the earth. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. What a glorious day is coming. All those who rejected his rule will themselves be rejected eternally. The world will be put right side up. But what if Jesus' coming is not the next thing on God's calendar? What if the present ruler is to be replaced by another merely human leader, and he was his own son? I believe we should pray earnestly for that man to be a righteous man. We don't have to pray a little harder, aren't we? A man whose relationship to God is real and strong. And then when North Korea turns around, God himself will receive all the glory. Are you praying for regime change in North Korea? I am. Every time I pray, I pray about that. Will you join me? Regime change, but not just any change. Ask God to raise up righteousness there. Freedom for God's people to do the things that they are supposed to be doing. Meanwhile, let's us be doing those things too. That's all we have time for today. Don't forget to click on photos. Then click on the first album you see, the photo album there on my sermon audio homepage. Scores of pictures. Now it's in the upper 80s, I think, on North Korea. Tomorrow, part 11, believe it or not, part 11 of our suffering series, which we will conclude in, in a couple of days after that. be looking forward to seeing you. That's Monday. I don't mean Sunday, but Monday. We'll get working on that. God bless you. We began with Psalm 106.4. Remember me, O Lord, in your favor towards your people.